0: Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go.
1: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Douglas Dowell. Douglas, how's it going? I'm outstanding. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot. Douglas has a really interesting background uh, because he has his JD from Washburn University School of Law. He's had a lot of experience in a lot of different areas of real estate from being a broker assistant at Marcus and Millichap to um, where he is now as uh, focused on commercial mortgage brokerage. Douglas, if you can give us now that I've, I've, I've given an overview of your background, if you can give us a little bit more detail on your real estate investing experience, and then also uh, maybe something about yourself so that we can get get to know you a little bit better.
0: Oh, sure. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, I was a young boy at age uh, 16, an impressionable lad, and saw a individual known as Carlton Sheets, uh, love him or hate him. He had a great, uh, infomercial on no money down real estate. And, and I, I gotta tell you, I was hooked. I was like, that, that's fascinating. And at the same time, uh, it was backed up by some experience. A, a friend of mine's dad had some uh, rent houses and we made some money on the side and it, it kind of, kind of made the big picture, made more understandable. Like, well, that's why he's doing that is making money on the side. And I, I was, uh, you can create wealth through real estate that was awesome and uh, it really served me throughout my professional career It drove my economics undergrad uh finance background and you know basically got a double major almost in economics and finance and it really it really it really drove the bus it was all toward them toward the uh end goal of building wealth through real estate and um and really um why part of why i went to law school even i was like man Imagine if in real estate I have a law degree, that would be awesome. And it's like, uh, you know, and, I, and honestly, looking back at it, I think that's, uh, it's almost a counterproductive move because of the, uh, the student loan debt you have to take on. So listeners out there, please call me and talk long and hard about before you go to law school. But, uh, but anyway, be that as it may, uh, it's been a very interesting ride, uh, for sure. Um, really, uh, spent a lot of time in Kansas City, Missouri, also, uh, from Colorado originally, and, and would love to get back home at some point uh tremendous opportunities uh in in the Denver market in terms of uh development and joint ventures and that's a you know a whole nother whole nother topic almost from what we're gonna talk about today but uh there's there's a, there's a tremendous opportunities out there and, and there always is in real estate and uh really happy to be here and share what I what I can.
1: Great. And you and once you uh graduated and got your JD from Washburn School of Law you went straight into practicing law, is that correct, where you did Actually, litigation? no, I didn't. Okay.
0: I think I knew all along, and, and looking back at it, I, I I kind of eventually, you know, through twists and turns, ended up being a solo lawyer eventually, um, which was a great experience, but uh, looking back on it, I started off with the Kansas City Housing Authority and, and the governmental, uh, basically their housing authority. And working with them and on, on putting together affordable housing projects and stuff like that—that that was a very brief stint. I—I I, I really have zero patience for government bureaucracy. I'm a—you know—I just don't have the patience for it. So, you know what? I, I took a hop after that. I was like, okay, I wanted to check out Florida, and uh, my girlfriend and I, at the time, we moved down to uh, Florida, and I went to work for Marcus and Milchap down there. And um, again, that was a very interesting experience, but you know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of. Um, I, I, you know, I, like I say, I'm almost the four Gump of commercial real estate. I, I've done about everything and uh, I've sh- shaken hands with about every, every CEO and uh, janitor and every, in every different context I've managed an apartment complex for a uh, period of time and, you know, I've done all basically everything, but. Uh, I can I can really man. I'm trying to think what I haven't done. It's almost kind of interesting. I've, I've wanted to know, um, you know, let my curiosity be the guide, and it's uh, taking me some interesting places. That's for sure.
1: And you know, with with that as the background, knowing that you have a lot of different areas that you've worked on, and basically all of them, in <laughs> real estate, the the focus. I think um, that it'd be interesting to hear more. From your perspective, knowing that you have the law degree uh, and knowing that you know you have been trained in that um, in that area, perhaps talking a little bit about um, you know your perspective on the on law and um, how it relates to uh, real estate investing in particular, raising money.
0: Oh, sure. Happy to kind of cover the waterfront on that. And and I can give you a brief overview. Um, The real uh, interesting transition, and it's kind of an interesting arc that most real estate investors go through. They start off, I got one rent house. Uh, Now I got two rent houses. Now I got three. Um, one of the first discussions that they're going to encounter is, do I need an entity um, in terms of, hey, I, I, do I need to have an LLC? And, and my gut answer is, in, until you decide you want to you know, really build a huge portfolio, if you're going to have one or two or three, I, I don't know that I, I personally think it's worth the, the cost benefit. Always have great insurance, I, I, I think that's, that's what I would recommend for everybody in every real estate context, make sure you have a great insurance policy. Uh, and that, that will help a lot of what you're doing. Cause you'll see guys out there selling asset protection plans and stuff like that. And for the, you know, under, you know, $10 million estate, it's completely uh, a con job in my opinion. But anyway, but moving on and, but when you decide, and, and here's kind of what, what has driven me in my career and kind of my fascination is, you know you'll you'll hit a point where you can your only your resources lim- get limited you, you can only, you know, buy so many houses and you'll hit a Fannie Freddie limit or in terms of the number of mortgages you can have. At a certain point you're going to understand and, and and my big passion is commercial real estate is where you get wealthy. You can you can do okay in in single family and and the, you know and of course the, with the subprime there's been an exception with that, but as a general rule if you want to build substantial wealth, I believe it's through commercial real estate. And then you start getting into an issue of, well, well, I, man, I, I don't have the money with money for that. I'm, you know, I I grew up in the trailer park, for example, and, you know, it's, it, it, and I'm halfway kidding about that. I've spent a a fair amount of time in the trailer park, but, but anyway, um, (laughs) my friends and family don't have the resources to do that. How do I, you know, how do I get in that? It's, it costs a lot of money. And there are some creative ways in terms of master lease options, um, that are interesting, and that's another, you know, another side topic, but, but really the, the core way and really the kind of the tried and true method involves, um, you start off with creating an LLC where everyone can member manage. And this is really important. If you start off in pooling capital, uh, for apartment complexes and whatnot, it's very, very important to be clear on is, am I creating a security? Um, and a security is a, an investment of money with the expectation of profit with um, a due to the solely by the efforts of the promoter. And there's one other prong I'm, I'm, I'm dropping out there, but the, the main point is, is i if I, once I start managing your capital and make decisions with your capital, I have created a security, whether I wanted to or not, I've just done that. And there, there's some uh, practical things to look at in terms of that, but also, um, some practical ways to avoid it because it is costly in terms of, uh, and I know, Joe, you've done some stuff with this. You know, it can be extremely costly to get the, the right legal advice. Um, and there's an intermediate step that you can take from having, a, let's say I've got 10 rent houses and I want to scale up a little bit, but I'm not ready to go all in. Uh, you can pull capital as long as, and, and and you want to definitely document this and you want to you know, participate in a member-managed LLC. That's a way to stay out of the the securities realm. So that's kind of the intermediate step. But once you graduate into the securities realm, um, it's a whole other thing. There's really a couple of great exemptions you can get into. And, and I'm, I'm actually not. Uh, I can't cite verse, uh, verse, and line item on that stuff off the top of my head. But what I can basically do is kind of overview the the primary exemptions regulation. Uh, 506 and the primary one is 506d um, is where you do a private placement with what I recommend is accredited investors uh, and there's a reason for that uh, with accredited investors what an accredited investor b- means is basically there there's a rule says uh, hey this guy has and they basically created a policy and then the policy was hey there are certain people that make so much money that we don't have to sit and worry about them too much, they're big boys and they can handle themselves. And that's essentially the policy behind the accredited investor. Um, they do allow unaccredited investors if they're deemed kind of more sophisticated, honestly, and there's basically the difference is they're saying they have, um, and I believe the, it's a million dollar net worth excluding the house um, and, and or an annual income if a single income of 200,000 or 300,000 joint. Um, and and those are the basic rules of an accredited investor. And that model is really the core way. When you see somebody who's amassed a significant portfolio, the chances of them are highly, highly likely that they've done a regulation 506B private placement. Now, the game is changing to some really interesting ways where they're getting into crowdfunding and all kinds of other things. But in my mind, if you want to get started in this and you're like, I want to kind of graduate into that uh, there are certainly uh, the tried and true ways of 506. And, and what I like about that is it's already out there. Everybody, everybody knows what kind of, you know, if, if it's somebody who's an accredited investor, they've been pitched this before. It's not like a completely new animal for someone, whereas crowdfunding has is, is got some, you know, kind of new, newness to it. And, and in fact, I, I, I if I'm going to steer someone, if, if they're just starting out and, and doing this, I kind of, go for the, the Trident Tube Regulation D-506. And um, I don't know if I'm taking that the direction you wanted to go on that. But, Absolutely, uh, kind of yeah. basic overview of how that process works.
1: Well, I, I think the most important thing uh, for our conversation and for the best ever listeners out there is that we're getting uh, as much value out of this show as possible. And um, I think the more you talk, the more value that we get. So... <laughs> i i'd well, say I don't, i'd say no
0: we can be here all day well, then, <laughs> uh i could, I, I could. I could crash the internet talking <laughs> so long about real estate, I, I, and in fact, well,
1: well, uh, I, my, girlfriend
0: I, I, will, my girlfriend will get up and walk away occasionally because I'll get on my geek rant, and she'll get up and leave <laughs> the room because she's like, "No, I'm not doing this right
1: now." Out, out of respect for all the other uh, people who do podcasts, I don't want to crash the internet because there are a lot of other That's good right. podcasts out there. So let, let's we, get in. Let's get into. Um, your best ever advice. So, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Oh man, my best ever advice is um, joint venture because that's the way you got to do it, but do it the right way. And and uh, my legal uh, experience actually taught me some very hard lessons about this. I you know I I was a solo attorney and. Um, I'm like, and I have a growth mentality is really kind of one of the core things that I think are in my soul. Uh, But I was like, man, I want to grow this business. My, uh, it was kind of funny. I like to joke my, my law, the, the guy I was working for at the time, uh, decided to take a construction job in in Florida, and I like to joke. I answered a, a an ad in a paper for a free law firm to a good home, and that was basically what happened. And <laughs> I kind of, you know, I get this law firm, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Now I have a law firm. That's awesome. Um, and it's kind of funny. It's one of those things you kind of back into a lot of stuff in life, and and I and I don't think I ever really ever. one, I never really intended on being a lawyer. You know, if I look back on it, I've I've really, my, my, my passion was always being in real estate somehow, but here, here I am. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, this is a business. I'm going to go for it and I'm going to scale it up. And, um, very shortly, you know, I, I kind of realized, you know, like, man, if I want to scale this probably the best thing to do, you know what, I'll get a partner. That's what I'll do. I'll get a partner and that'll be great. And sure enough, I got an opportunity to partner with someone and, um, and without any real, I didn't really know her that well at all. And I just kind of like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this, and boom. Um, and there really wasn't any due diligence on my behalf. And and we we and in the end, we turned out to be completely incompatible as a team and had different vision. I wanted to continue. For and here's a prime example. I wanted to continue to add more partners to the firm and grow it. And. Uh, She wanted to be uh, queen of the roost, if you will, and and we had a serious, serious falling out, and in the end, um, it all came apart, and and a lot of it was because on the front end, I didn't have, uh, I didn't do enough due diligence on who I'm partnering with, and number two, there was not a great discussion on the front end about, okay, this is where we ultimately want to be, and I think what I will say is that, that, you know, in life you, you get a lesson. If you learn the lesson, then it's great. Um, I think for me, it, it really kind of seared. I mean, cause it was a painful, painful experience. And, and it was like, okay, this is what I learned from this is you've got to have clear, clear expectations on the front end. And what if we don't get along in the long run and that, that kind of exit, Planning is not very common. I see that all the time, and, and you'll see people just, you know. And, and again, it's it's all good on the front end. It's all shiny, happy people right. on the front end, and you always have to say, well, what if this doesn't work out? And, and it's not even. And I think anybody um, who's had any business experience at all should not be offended by that question. What if this doesn't end up working out? What if we have a, a change, of, you know, change in circumstances down the line, and we don't like each other anymore, or we're not getting along, or what? You have to ask that question on the front end, and be comfortable with that on the front end, because I I hate to say it, but it's almost it's almost worse than than a, than a divorce uh, from a relationship standpoint, because it affects your your financial. Stability, and in my in my experience was it completely completely blew my world up for for a number of years. It was it was that bad, and, and a lot of it was because I did not ask the right questions on the front end. I didn't know who I was partnering with. I was too you know again. It's yep. great to have the dream and the vision, and, and and again that was one of the learning experiences for me. Was Doug, you're a you're a dreamer, dreamer, visionary guy, but you've got to look at the practical aspects of of this and, and and ask the the critical questions about, okay, what do I know about them? Are they really somebody I really know that well? Or you know, are they you know, are they, you know, good to be in business with? Who did right. you ask about? And about you know, you can go out and check you know, do a litigation search. You can do, uh, you can ask other people that's done done business with them before and. Um, there are a number of things you can do from a due diligence standpoint to kind of figure out, okay, who am I dealing with here? And, and again, I think it's really important. Um, and, 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 again, I will say the, the nice thing about partnership in that context versus a regular joint venture, I like joint ventures in the real estate arena because it's more dating at that point. The way we had set it up, it was, a, it was like a, almost a shotgun wedding. And I'd much rather like the, the joint venture model in real estate where you can date and figure out, okay, you they may say so you might, you know, you might go through all your entire diligence and still in the end not really feel comfortable with someone. And if you set up your joint ventures right, you can you can basically say, Hey, this is a one off deal, we'll see how it goes. We right. like each other, we'll continue to do more joint ventures. Um and and it comes down to branding too, and this is kind of one of my experiences from it. Um if you have the brand And you brand a big joint venture then it kind of gets tricky but if you keep your kind of your separate brands kind of in your own little world and you have just a a kind of a, a joint venture that's doing the fine things financially that's a lot different and um from my experience that was that was a huge huge lesson from it if you um the 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 nice thing about real estate joint ventures is you can literally you know okay we'll get in this deal we'll check this out we'll see what we think and then kind of go from there and I'm a big believer in date before marriage uh, marriage generally and doubly so in the financial arena.
1: Absolutely. yeah, and I would say you know to to summarize what I believe you just said and to grossly oversimplify it um, for what you said is uh, one, when you and en- before you enter into a joint venture with anybody, do a litigation search, check their references. And make sure that you have an exit plan for the what-if scenarios.
0: I think that's an excellent uh, overview, and, and it doesn't uh, have to be. I don't think it has to be that complicated. And I think what you've done there, Joe, is, is really highlight the two most important things about it: is just having a good uh, a good plan on. Okay, again, asking the hard questions: of what if this doesn't work? Is a great point.
1: Yep. Yeah, and yeah, I've with the investors that I I work with. You know, the uh, some are accredited, and some aren't. The uh, one of them in particular, I'm thinking of. He is accredited, and he asks really tough questions. And it's not for, and I don't take it personally because I know that he asks these questions to anybody that he would potentially partner up with, because they have to be asked. And um, you know, some people might be concerned about. Uh, perhaps offending or maybe hurting someone's feelings, like, what do you mean it might not work out? Well, um yeah. from a from a business standpoint, uh it it's simply, you know, covering your basis. I, I think um you know you 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 trust that people uh won't steal your horse but you still tie up the horse whenever you go to the bar and um you know <laughs> go grab a drink if we're in the wild west um yeah
0: and i'm a, i'm a cold war kid and uh ronald reagan had a great quote with uh, regard to russia does provi-, does provi trust but verify and um i couldn't agree more with that
1: yeah okay well good stuff um and i and And to wrap that part up, uh, I definitely agree uh, with the joint venture approach because that is truly the best way to scale your business. When you can bring in other people, one, you're bringing in other people's expertise or money. But then two, you're bringing in the connections and network and a a new friendship and business partner that you can have with them. And that's going to exponentially increase – your business and help scale it even more than you know you could possibly do on your own
0: well and I agree uh, Joe and, and I think that when done right joint ventures can can hyper accelerate your growth and and again being careful and, and and having some basic wisdom behind what you do uh, for sure um, will really really have a tremendous impacts on your net wealth and again it, it's all about what you want in the end and, and an investor. Has to really kind of do a soul search and say, well, what do I really want? And is it is it in my DNA to to really you know run something of substantial size, or am I just looking for something to just you know just a couple million for my 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 retirement plan? But but I can I can tell you that substantial wealth is possible through real estate through this model. And yep, um, I I think for people that that finally see that, you kind of get like a, a different mindset. And I know you've already been there, you've already seen it. And the possibilities are almost endless.
1: Yep. Agreed. All right. Let's jump into the best ever lightning round. Quick hitting questions. You ready? I'm ready to go. All right. Best ever book you've read?
0: Oh, one book? Oh, Joe, you're killing me. Only one. Only one. Only one. If I have to say one, (whistles) um, everybody says they can grow rich. So I'm going to say Snowball, the Warren Buffett and the, uh, the Business of Life.
1: Okay. Best ever joint venture structure. Wow, um, actually the LLC is a great animal
0: because you can they they did some you know really great things with that when it came around. It's basically you can make an LLC do anything you want, and um, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan. They they uh, they're very customizable and they they're they're great.
1: Best ever success habit that you practice.
0: Best ever success habit, uh, model excellence.
1: Okay. Best ever internet resource you use for research? Uh,
0: for research? Man, I have to give uh, bigger pockets of props on that. They have so much stuff over there.
1: Agreed. Best ever quote?
0: Um, I'm a Buffetologist, so I have to quote Warren Buffett and say, if you're batting 1,000, then you're in the minor leagues. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love it! I love it.
0: Isn't that great? I, yeah. I, mean, I have to. I have to admit, I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and it kind of, kind of, you know, knocked me for a loop a little. Like, well, okay, that that that'll put an end to that.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I came up with this quote or if I read it somewhere, but I wrote it down whenever I thought it. It, it was, um, uh, don't be worried if you're failing. Be worried if you're not failing.
0: Oh, that's great! I, I love it. Because it's like if you're failing, then you're trying to do something, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, what's the best ever place to reach you?
0: Uh, best ever place to reach me, uh, I love uh, LinkedIn. I'm out there on LinkedIn. Um, and you can look up LJD on LinkedIn. That's the best way to find me.
1: Okay, sounds good. Well, Douglas, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't talk about?
0: I really like to uh, just kind of end with uh, the the possibilities are endless. The rule number one: there there are no rules, including that one. So,
1: okay, let's end with that. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. You bet. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.